Greetings from the Offensive Security Group here at Secure IT 360, coming at you with another episode of the Cyber Threat Perspective. Today, I've got none other than Tyler on our team. Tyler, how's it going? Good, man. Good, man. Happy to be here. Yeah, awesome. So Tyler and I are getting a jam together on this podcast, on this episode, that's all about pen testing misconceptions. So we uh, put our heads together and made a bulleted list here of some common misconceptions that we hear, common misconceptions that we speak to clients about uh, and everything in between. And we thought we would go through some of these and just talk through some of them and kind of jam on this subject and go back and forth. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. So I think the first one, the most fun one, I think, on this list is it's like you see it in the movies, right? You get this idea that, uh, you know, it's like Mr. Robot or the Matrix and, you know, you're, you've got this hood on and you're on a terminal computer <laughs> and you're like hacking away and like you, within a few keystrokes, you know, like CSI style, you're hacked into the satellite and you've got all the footage that you need. Uh, for your police case or, you know, it's like one of those things that's, that's like the movies and, uh, I'll let you go first, Tyler, but, uh, to me, you know, it's, it's nothing like you see in the movies. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I pen test with the lights on cause my computer screen gives me a headache. So I'm already different from the movies in that one aspect that like <laughs> the lights have to be on Two, I don't wear a hoodie when I pen test either. So I'm not the hooded guy sitting behind the keyboard, just hitting a hundred keys a second. Um, two major differences right there, right off the bat. Yeah, I will say that uh, I do pen test in a hoodie, but that's because I work in a room, as you can see, maybe it's not super well insulated and it's above my garage, which is also not insulated or heated. So for me, it's not a style thing. It's, it's a comfort thing. Like I'm right. freezing when I'm pen testing. <laughs> Uh, so much so that my wife actually bought me fingerless gloves that I wear sometimes during the winter when it's cold, right? So, you know, you think of this hacker with a hoodie on, um, that, that is me, but for different reasons. But uh, <laughs> I will say, as far as the actual work goes, right, Tyler, like, you know, a lot of times it's a lot of thinking and kind of clicking around and doing a lot of OSINT and reconnaissance, right? We're kind of digging into an organization's external footprint for your perspective or internal on mine. And, uh, you know, we spend a lot less time on actual exploitation and like running payloads and all the interesting, fun stuff that you would see in the movies. Um, it's, it's definitely very different from what you see. One of the things that I think is interesting, too, is, you know, we'll, I'll be doing an internal pen test sometimes. And, you know, the, the nature of how we do it, and how we get access to these environments, the IT department sometimes will you know, have the machine that I'm connected to up on a big screen. I've heard that before from clients. They're like, yeah, we had you on the TV and we were watching you. And like, they're like, it's not at all like it's in the movies. You were just poking around our file shares and we saw you find the <laughs> password and logging into the main controller. It's like, yep. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not all like clickety clackety hackery. Yeah. I mean, in the movies, it's like they have this USB and they plug it in computer and then like three seconds later, they own everything. It's like, well, no. Yeah. It's uh, it's a lot more boring than the movies make it out to be. It's not a five minute process. Um, and like you said, you know, we do spend a lot of time on our reconnaissance phases, which takes away from, you know, we're not actually sitting here running payloads and run, firing up Metasploit and just sending attacks twenty four seven. 
um, like it's made out to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, from my perspective too on internals, uh, a lot of times it's documentation reading. Sometimes we'll get access to internal wikis or intranets. I want to kind of get a sense of the environment, the infrastructure, the IT team, how they operate. So I'm reading documentation. I'm looking for things. So to echo what you said, like it's a very uh, more of a methodical, like research driven approach. Uh, the next one is uh, kind of completely different, but it's <laughs> that uh, it's expensive. So I'll go first with this one. So pen tests can be expensive, right? Um, you can have very elaborate pen tests that take a number of weeks that, that have a number of specific goals or specific outcomes that you're hoping to achieve. So they can just like any other security assessment, right? They can be super expensive, but they don't have to be right. The, you know, a lot of our, uh, our pen tests, uh, start with an external pen test, which is very manageable and very affordable for most organizations, right, Tyler? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking at a three or four day assessment um, that's really pretty manageable for a lot of organizations, and it's a good way to kind of discover some some quick vulnerabilities, some low hanging fruit. Right, and then there's additional programs that I mean, companies like us, and I'm sure others offer, where if you do, you know, quarterly or yearly pen tests and sign longer contracts, you get discounts for that. You know, if you're in a certain sector of business um, or if you're like a retaining customer, you also get the discounts for that that make the affordability of Pintest all the more, you know, present. Yep. Yeah. And maybe less of a good argument, but still kind of a, um, a component of price, right, is, you know, the cost of not doing Pintests, right? Yep. Uh, obviously, if you have regulatory requirements, uh, you know, you can be fined for not doing these assessments and, and that's kind of a downside, right? And kind of a drawback to having those requirements is you have to do them. Um, but also, you know, if you have a security incident, you know, that costs money. Um, if you have downtime uh, because of <clears throat> system stability or whatever the case may be, you know, some of those things can be discovered throughout a pen test, right? You might find, you know, that, you know, you're, you do an external pen test, right? And you know, you scan something and the, and the thing actually goes down, right? It actually breaks. You know, that sometimes happens, uh, unfortunately, and not intentionally. But maybe you identify an issue like, oh, maybe there's some issue with this external thing and we should probably upgrade that. Um, you know, so there, there's that as well. And I think, you know, opportunity cost plays into this too. I think, especially nowadays, organizations are... are um, or I guess customers, right? Customers, people who are, who are consumers of a business <clears throat> like to see that organizations are being proactive and they're taking security seriously, you know? And, you know, that can be a good way to, to show that, hey, we're investing here. Uh, you know, it's not strictly a cost center. Um, we are investing and it in mm-hmm. turn, you know, allows us to, to maybe have access to potential opportunities that we wouldn't if we weren't doing these proactive security tests. Right. I think if you're just sitting down and you're going through your first steps and you want a penetration test, doing a cost benefit analysis of what you get out of a pen test versus what you put in. I feel like, you know, pricing on pen tests right now around the industry is very reasonable because not only do you get peace of mind for your organization, you're also satisfying those regulatory requirements and, you know, you're making sure that all your stuff is up to par and you're remediating, mitigating any vulnerabilities that come up, just furthering the you know security posture of your organization and the process. 
Yeah. Yeah, and the, the next one kind of ties into this is pen tests are only for large organizations. Uh, this is obviously, you know, not, not true, uh, but I think the, the misconception lies somewhere in that, you know, some organizations think they're so small that they're not a target, right? Or that they don't have anything of value for attackers, right? Um, and I think that's flawed thinking because, you know, we, we've seen time and time again that threat actors will target smaller organizations to get access to larger ones. Maybe there's a, a partnership there. Um, but also, you know, many organizations uh, have have data that that's important, that's sensitive um, in nature, or that is is of value to someone somewhere, right? So, you know, pen tests don't just benefit larger organizations; they benefit small organizations, medium, nonprofits, um, you name it. Uh, everyone can benefit from benefit from a penetration test. Yeah, I think it. You know, just delving into the mind of an attacker, an attacker doesn't really care about the size of the organization or so cares about how easy it is to get into said organization. So if you're a small organization with really crappy security and, you know, you kind of give them a one way access in, they're going to take that bite over, you know, a larger organization that's going to take them more time because it's just an easier target for them to hit. So smaller organizations, I feel like we see often especially for externals, we have clients that have one, two, three, four, five IPs that are externally facing. And we consider those, you know, smaller organizations because of that footprint, but, you know, they still end up getting lengthy reports with a bunch of vulnerabilities because, you know, they've had that frame of mind that, you know, we're not a target. This isn't something that we need. And so a lot of things go unchecked. Yeah. And something our, our incident response team, our defer team says time and time again is, you know, smaller organizations, are a lot of times the target of these BEC type campaigns where a threat actor will compromise some organization, they'll get access to a mailbox, and then they'll use that access and leverage it against another organization that that firm does business with, right? Whether, um, you know, they're looking for, primarily looking for, you know, money, right? Like they're trying to, you know, change a wire transfer process so that they get the money um, or, you know, infect other machines or other organizations through credential attacks and stuff like that. But, you know, we see that as well as small firm gets attacked, they get an email compromise, they use that and leverage that access against another organization who is maybe much larger and much has uh, a much bigger uh, payday, I guess, for a threat actor. Yeah. The next one is it's only a technical assessment. So I like this one. I think this is going to be a good... Uh, part is, you know, pen tests we see as being like this technical thing where you're running exploits and you're doing very technical things and you're running scans and you're kind of on a command line or you're interacting with technical things like ports and services and web apps and servers and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, pen tests can be technical, right, Tyler? But a lot of times, we can a pen test can take the form of social engineering. It can uh, a lot of times with web apps, we're looking at business logic. You know, so there's a lot of various things that go into it, right, Tyler? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you know people think it's just really complicated thing, but sometimes pen ca- pen tests can be really rudimentary in the way that we gather and use information. You know, for example, in law firms, you know, we don't have to do some crazy things to get the information that we want. We just go to an about you page 
and pull the mail to addresses from that page. And sometimes pen tests are also very simple things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's important to keep in mind that penetration test is a bucket term for a lot of different things, right? There's a lot of different types of penetration tests, anywhere from physical penetration tests uh, to mobile web apps, APIs, internal, external, and kind of everything in between. So there are very technical components of these, uh, as well as non-technical components. Um, something I think is interesting too is, you know, on internal assessments, we don't use a C2 framework, uh, a traditional C2 framework. We don't use a lot of the traditional, like very technical pen testing tools that you would see in like a Cali suite or something like that. Um, we use less technical approaches. We, we think more of like a sysadmin on the network, right? Um, so there's various ways that pen tests can be technical and non-technical, but it's definitely something I've heard before is, you know, it's only a technical thing, whereas it's not true in reality. Yep. Yep. Uh, every vulnerability is uncovered. So this is something I think um, is kind of in the back of people's minds. When you, when you get a pen test, you're like, oh yeah, we're going to find all the vulnerabilities. It makes sense that we would think that way. Um, but the way that we scope engagements and the, the amount of time that we have versus a real threat actor, um, there's no possible way that we can find everything. You know, there's no guarantee that we can find 100% of the vulnerabilities in an environment. We can find as much as we can in the time limited engagement that we have. And that's, you know, what we hope to achieve. But we can definitely not uncover everything. And that's why, you know, when we get to the next one, um, or one of the last ones is like, do this all the time kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the big, the big thing about a pen test to remember is it is a time limited engagement. We don't have a week or two weeks or three weeks like threat actors do to just look at your environment, peruse everything and find the best possible avenue for attack and find all the vulnerabilities you have. You know, we kind of have streamlined processes to help us enumerate as many vulnerabilities as we can find in your environment. But that also doesn't guarantee that we're going to you know, go down every nook and cranny that we can because of how large attack surfaces are sometimes and how much limited time we have to actually touch everything. Yeah. And that goes back to the conversation about price and it being expensive, right? We can, we can spend four weeks doing a penetration test, right? If we want to, we can spend a couple of weeks doing OSINT and doing a lot of investigation. We can spend a couple of weeks attacking the environment. So we can do that. Um, but what you mentioned, right? Cost versus benefit, right? If we spend a week or so pen testing an environment, we're going to find a lot of the stuff, right? Not not 100%, but we'll find a lot of the stuff and hopefully find a majority of the things, you know, as close as we can get to 100%. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we definitely, you know, definitely don't expect to, to have 100% of the findings identified. I think that's a bit unrealistic, although we try to get as close as we can to that number. I think we do a really good job of that. Um, but there's always those things, right? There's always potentially something that's lurking out there. Right, right. Uh, so the next one is pen tests are the same as a vulnerability scan. So this is something that we yeah, <laughs> we hear from time to time. And I think, I think most people now kind of have a sense that, you know, pen test is different from vulnerability assessment, but we still get that kind of question from time to time or not even really a question. It's just kind of a misunderstanding, right? We'll talk about a thing and they'll be like, okay, so when are you going to scan? And it's like, well, scanning's part of it, mm -hmm. um, but that's not the whole picture, right? 
Yeah, I think this one ties in really well to the other points that you have here of it can't be fully automated. Um, if a penetration test was just a vulnerability scan, then it would be a fully automated test and it would also be significantly less expensive. Um, the manual part of the testing is where you get a lot of value because you get eyes on data sets, uh, resources, all of your stuff that you have given us as part of scope. Um, you know, we are manually going and looking at and validating vulnerabilities. We're actively searching for those vulnerabilities in different software. So, you know, while there is automation to our processes to streamline how quickly we can do things, um, you know, we still have to go through and review that data and, uh, you know, validate and make checks. Yeah. Yeah. And the vulnerability assessment and penetration tests have different outcomes, right? Two completely different outcomes. There's two, two different scopes, um, you know, very different in nature. And from the automated standpoint, there are new platforms, there's new tools out there, and there's new companies that are, that are doing quite a bit of automation, right? And they're even using AI. We should probably put AI in there, right? Like I can get a fully AI pen test or something like that. So we can talk about that in the context of automation too. There are organizations and platforms that are doing automated pen tests and they are simulating a lot of what we would do on a pen test. But to your point, there's false positive investigations where you, you find something, right? You scan or you identify some issue. Um, you have to, you have to validate it, right? Either by creating a POC or ruling out the possibility of a false positive. So there is quite a bit of manual work to, to truly validate something and to, to truly understand the impact, right? If you just identify something, you might not necessarily know the true scope of the issue or the, the full impact of the issue. Mm-hmm. And that issue can also lead to other things and kind of branch off into other areas where there could be additional issues identified. So while automation is great, and I think you can include quite a bit of it in the process, penetration tests by nature um, cannot just be fully automated. <laughs> Yeah, I think the big difference between automation and manual penetration testing is, you know, the manual aspect, humans are more apt to pull on strings and follow paths that they see and patterns, whereas AI is trained to say, what is this? Is this a vulnerability? Send this payload, validate it. Okay, it is. You know, where a human will look at that, be like, this is a vulnerability. Why is it vulnerable? And it'll actually, you know, we'll actually go back and trace that software, you know, check for any other vulnerabilities it could be having, um, you know, just pull on that string and see what else we can find, right? So I feel like that's also a major difference. Yeah, now AI is is obviously gotten really good in the last couple of years, right? Since its explosion in like 2020, you know, we're now seeing the introduction of like hack bots, they're calling them, right? Where it's a it's it's an AI bot that will go out and, and assess a website or assess a web app or will do some bug bounty slash penetration testing activities. And and those are becoming more popular. There's there's several companies, several startups that are doing that and offering those kinds of services. So I do think, you know, with with how crazy AI has gotten we will get to a point where there is a quite a bit of automation involved and even decision-making involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not there yet, but you know, if you're kind of paying attention to what's going on, I think that's an important thing to kind of be mindful of. And, and we certainly are. We're looking at ways to incorporate that ourselves. Um, something that's very real um, for the time being though, like there's still quite a bit of human element that needs to be involved. Right. Yep. Uh, 
So last one I have is you only need it once. Um, so something I see from time to time and when I talk to clients during security assessments or pen tests is like, oh, we're just going to do it like once every couple of years or something like that and, and we'll be all right. Whereas, you know, we definitely recommend um, and we're biased, right? We sell pen tests, so that's <laughs> what we do. But that being said, like I think it is a really good idea to do regular pen tests and it depends what you're pen testing. If you're pen testing a software application, you might need to do it more. You might have more releases and there might be more significant changes regularly that you would want to pen test. An internal environment, at least once a year, depending on how much change there is, right? Probably same with external. Um, but uh, only once is doing a disservice and, and you leave a lot of issues unchecked. Yeah, I think the biggest gap there is, you know, vulnerabilities, new vulnerabilities come out every day. You know, we're seeing new critical threats, like just, uh, you know, this week, the ConnectWise uh, critical vulnerability just came out. You know, if you're not up to date on trends and maybe you have ConnectWise, but you haven't had a pen test, you're not aware that that's exposed, a pen test will help highlight that area for you. Yep. Um, and so doing it every year, you know, that's probably the maximum time before the next engagement. If you want to do it, you know bi-yearly every six months you know that's also acceptable just because the threat landscape is changing so quickly and it's still evolving you know daily and there's new vulnerabilities that come out um every day so you know just checking every now and again and getting that peace of mind from that report and knowing what you have out there i feel like it's very important yeah and not to mention that some regulatory frameworks require regular pen tests right uh a lot of them as, as far as I know, none of them prescribe exactly what type of penetration test. Um, but most of the regulatory frameworks, you look at like uh, the New York State DFS cybersecurity requirements, you look at and major frame um, now is incorporating some sort of penetration testing requirement because proactive security test, security testing has become a very effective way to find vulnerabilities and, and mitigate them before issues happen, right? So um, it's definitely an important thing to, to consider doing these regularly. Yep. Be proactive instead of reactive on these things. That's right. It's a good quote. Should put it on a shirt. <laughs> put it on a hat. Yeah. Speaking of hats, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> shameless plug shameless plug yeah um so any other uh misconceptions any other like pen testing misconceptions you want to chat about that we didn't talk about already no i think we i think we hit them all at least the major ones you know that was a good list yeah if you're listening and you have any other ideas for other misconceptions that you've heard or any other topics you want to listen to let us know in the comments of wherever you're listening or watching this. If you're watching this on YouTube, please leave us a comment. Let us know uh, what you think about these misconceptions or if you have any other ideas for conversations. We'd love to hear them and, and love to, to uh, talk about them on the podcast. So uh, that's it. That's our episode. I appreciate everybody. Appreciate you listening. Uh, if you've gotten this far, you can follow us on offset.blog. If you would like a pen test from us, uh, you can go to secureit360.com and we will definitely get you sorted out. Uh, we release new episodes every Wednesday and we post it all over social media. So uh, if you do get value from this episode or any of the, the content that we put out, uh, go ahead and follow 
the Secure IT 360 LinkedIn account. Follow me on LinkedIn, Tyler, all the all the crew here. And we would, uh, we would love to connect with you online. So chat us up, leave us a message, tweet us, X us, or whatever the kids are doing these days. <laughs> Make an X, yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And with that, thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you next week.